All right, well, um, a couple weeks ago uh, was my two-year anniversary of preaching here, and... Um, And I've, I've shared the story of us coming here to Montgomery in a, in a few different settings. And, uh, but we've got some new people here over the last two years, which is great. It's, um, we've got 45 people who have RSVP'd for the Newcomers Luncheon, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, if you are new in the last two years, uh, could you stand for us real quick? I want us to get an idea of, of who's new. So if you don't know these people, get to know these people, introduce yourself, you can be seated. Um, it, it is great to have you join this journey with us. Um, and so, so get to know these people, introduce yourself, uh, get to know them. Um, I want to share with, with you a little bit of the story of coming here as, as an introduction for our time in James. We've just begun a new series last week looking at James and, and looking at a faith that works. Our, my story of coming here really, in, in a way, well, it starts you know, when I was born, but, but really, this, the story of me coming here started in 2002. And in 2002, I was uh, a student at UNM, I was a senior there, and I was working at the campus ministry, and I drove up to Sandia Crest, I don't hike there like some of you do, but I, I drove up there. <laughs> I drove up to the crest and, and walked out onto a little bit of a ledge, not much of a ledge because I don't do heights either, but <laughs> safely, safely behind a barrier, I went up to the edge and, and looked out over the city and just spent some time in prayer. And, and this was a really, really important part of my story that I didn't realize was an important part of my story until two years ago. Um, but that's why you will see this image or images like it in a lot of the things that I do. You will see this image uh, on, on the, the, the panoramic picture out in the foyer. You will, you will see this image of the city of Albuquerque from the crest in, in a variety of places that, that I'm, I'm putting that out there because it's really a view of the city that we are called into. We are called to, to make a difference in this city. And so in 2002, I was, I was up here taking some time in prayer and reflecting on what God wanted me to do, and I, I prayed that God would use me in some way to, to make an impact in this city. As I was up on the crest and looking out over the city, God used me in some way in this place. And this, this wanting to be a, a part of making a difference in this city. Uh, but my, my path took a, a detour. And it wasn't long after that that, that we got married and we, we were called to go to Dallas and we spent 11 years in Dallas working at, a church there, working at a church there, which was an incredibly formative time. It was a time of learning. It really was a lab for me to, to learn ministry in. And that became a comfortable life. That became our home. That was the place that we had children. That was the place where we had a small group. That's a place where we had a church and a family. And, and that was home for us. But I was also still connected to Albuquerque. This is where our parents live. There, there's a connection here. And so I was seeing what was going on at Montgomery and hearing stories about what was going on in Montgomery and seeing that God was working. God was doing something here. And I was intrigued by that because I didn't know what it was. I still don't know what it is completely. But <laughs> God is working and, and he reveals himself 
more and more to us. God was doing something here. This was, this was years ago. And in, in March of 2013, I, I began to feel like God was calling me to join with what he was doing here at Montgomery. Now, this was a rather alarming thing because I wasn't looking for a job and I wasn't looking for change. I wasn't looking for transition, but, but I felt like God is doing something in this place and he's calling me possibly to join in with what is going on there. And so we began to pray and we began to discern. And, and from March to the time we moved here in August, God confirmed over and over and over that he was calling us into this place. During that same time at the church we were at, we were going through the story, and so we were going through the stories of the Old Testament and, and seeing how the narrative of Scripture is all working towards what God is doing through His Son, Jesus. And so I was reading stories like Abraham and reading sto stories like Moses and Joseph and Esther and, and, and looking at these incredibly powerful stories of, of God calling someone to get up and leave and go to a different place and go where God is working and do something with what God is doing there. And so God was speaking to me through his word. He was speaking to me through circumstances and events that were going on and, and chance meetings and, and conversations and things like that where, where it was clear that God was calling me into something. And so we were left with the choice. Could we listen to what God was saying and be obedient to the call that he had given us? Or could we be like Jonah and say, no, I don't think so. I like where I'm at. Thank you very much. And so obviously we made the choice to obey and come here, and we're here, and we've been here for two years now, and, and continuing to see how, how God is at work in such powerful ways, seeing, seeing the stories that have, have unfolded over the last two years of, of people coming in and joining in this journey, lives being changed, relationships being changed. God is doing something. And he calls each and every one of us to join in to what he is doing in this place. And so that is, is all introduction for this James chapter 1, where we're looking at this, this brother of Jesus writing to these persecuted Christians who are scattered all over the place, and, and he is challenging them. He's, he's saying some really tough stuff to them and calling them into a different place. The word of God is powerful. And it calls us into a kingdom way of living that is challenging. It calls us into a place that can be thrilling and exciting. Being obedient to God will lead you into places you could have never imagined. Following what he is calling you to do will be the greatest adventure of your life. And he calls us into that. When the truth of God's word is revealed to us, how do we respond to that? When he speaks to us, when we, when we see what it is that he is calling us to, how do we respond to it? And so we go to James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And when we, when we approach the word of God, we've got to receive the word humbly. We've got to receive it humbly. 
James says in verse 19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now remember, Jesus, or James here is writing to these persecuted Christians who are scattered. They're in a, a tough spot. And we look at James, and it seems to be that it is just this disconnected series of sound bites that don't really interrelate. But if you will step back and look at all of James in context, you start to see these themes start to play out. Because if you look at this particular verse, you, you see this soundbite that is so easily applied to interpersonal relationships. You should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's any relationship that we're in, right? Uh, we're, we're doing a, marriage, or a, a DNA of relationships class um, in, uh, at 9.30 in the morning. And in that class, they quoted this passage to talk about our relationships with one another. You need to be quick to listen and don't get so angry. But if you take a step back and look at what James is talking about here, you can see a little bit more depth to what he's trying to communicate. It's more than just our interpersonal relationships. He's really saying, listen, listen, don't be quick to speak, don't be quick to anger. But what is it that we are listening to? Because in the next verse, he talks about the word being planted in you. And so we can, we can look at this and say, he's saying, be quick to listen to God. Be quick to listen to the word of God. What is God saying to you? As you were in this persecuted situation, as you were scattered out away from home, listen to God. Don't get angry at what's going on. Don't get angry at the, the government that is oppressing you. Be quick to listen to what God is calling you into. Don't lose your faith in the midst of this persecution. Hurry up and listen. Hurry up and listen. We have to have a quiet and a humble approach to the Word of God. We come to it to listen. We don't come to it to speak into it. We don't come into it to define it for us. We approach it with humility. How do we usually approach the Word of God? When you go to the Word of God, is it, is it trying to get an answer that you're looking for? Is it trying to justify what you want? Is it trying to make a case for something? Are you trying to get vindication against someone? When you come to Scripture, how do you use it? How do you approach it? Do you hurry up and listen? If we don't hurry up and listen, we, um, we are not matured into what God wants us to become. He wants to mature us, as we talked about last week. He wants us to become mature and going through these trials, going through these temptations, and persevering through that, and listening to what God has to say for us. That is the process of growing into maturity. And then he says to get rid of the moral filth. So these two seem very disconnected, right? We've got these great sound bites. Be quick to listen and slow to anger and, and get rid of moral filth, but they, they really connect with one another. These are, this is one paragraph here. He's got ideas that are connected. He says get rid of all moral filth because it corrupts us. It affects what we say. It affects our anger. It, it, it transforms us in a negative way. 
When all the junk of the world gets in the way, we cannot listen to God. We cannot be quick to listen because there's so much noise in our lives. We talked about that in the prayer series. There's so much noise in our life from the the moral filth and the sin and the selfishness that exists that we cannot listen to God because it's blocking it. And so James says, get rid of that stuff. Get rid of the selfishness. Get rid of the sinfulness so that you can hear God. So that you can be quick to listen. Because if all of that stuff is piled up on top, you're not going to be listening. You're going to be quick to speak and you're going to be quick to anger. And that prevents the word of God from getting in and being implanted into our hearts. What a shift in thought there. We're going from listening and and speaking and anger to this point of the word being implanted in our hearts. And what is he talking about when he talks about the word being implanted in our hearts? It's something that shows up back in Jeremiah, something that, that James would have been very familiar with. In, James chapter th- or in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. They needed a new covenant because the old covenant of obeying a law, that was not working for them. They couldn't do it. They were called into this covenant relationship with God that required them to obey the law, and they failed. And so Jeremiah gives this prophecy that the Lord is sending a different covenant, and this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it in their, on, onto their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. God is going to write his laws on the hearts of his people. He's going to plant the word of God in us. And we see through Jesus and and the church in Acts the fulfillment of that prophecy where the spirit indwells in us. The word of God dwells in us. And so the word becomes implanted in our hearts. God wants to implant his word in your hearts. But we have to be willing to receive it humbly. We have to be willing to to rid ourselves of the moral filth. We have to rid ourselves of the sin and the selfishness so that the word of God can be implanted into our heart. As we approach the word of God, we also have to remember and obey the word constantly. We have to remember and obey the word constantly. The implanted word is, is given to us. And then James goes on to to expand and, and develop this idea of the word further. He says, do not merely listen to the word. So remember, he just said, get rid of the moral filth. The word of God will be implanted in you. And then he says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they had heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
And so we don't simply listen to the word. Yes, we are quick to listen to the word. Yes, we get rid of the moral filth. We get rid of the sin and the selfishness so that the word can be planted in us. But it does not stop there because if you simply listen, you are the ridiculous person who looks in the mirror and forgets what they look like. That if you, if you listen to the word but do not do what it says, you are deceived. You are this goofball who can't even remember what they look like. And so James gives us this ridiculous metaphor here where, where this person looks in the mirror and then forgets what they look like because they listen to the word, they hear it, they sit in the pews and they listen to what's going on, but they don't do it. They don't apply what they hear. And so, no, we need to be people who look intently into the Word. We look intently into the Word, and then we do what it says. This idea of looking intently is this, this image of, of stooping down to get a good look at something. I think of like a three-year-old who, it, who discovers a bug on the sidewalk, and they just want to scoot, you know, they, they stoop down on all fours, and they just inspect this thing. What is this thing that they have just discovered? And James said, intently look into the Word. Stoop down into it. Dive into it. Get deep into it and see what God is saying. Don't merely listen to what it says. Look intently into it and do it. If you listen and don't do it, then you are not fulfilling what He has called you to do. You're being deceived. You think everything's okay. You think you're doing the religious thing, but you're not doing it, and you've been deceived. This idea of listening and remembering and obeying comes back from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6 is this, this keystone verse for the Jewish people. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be on your hearts we've got the heart involved again impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates do whatever it takes to remember the Word of God. Every part of your life, every moment of your day, what do you have to do to remember the Word of God? Because the enemy is so good at distracting and so wants us to not think about it. If he can get us so busy and so consumed with our day-to-day -day lives where we don't hear the Word of God, then he wins. And so how do we remember the Word of God? Remember the word of God. Keep it at the forefront of everything that you do. A few chapters later in Deuteronomy, it says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his law, and his decrees that I gave you this day. Don't forget. Remember what God has said. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget 
the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Don't forget the word of God. Don't get so self-reliant on your own abilities, in your own wealth, in your own strength, that you forget who God is. That you, you are enjoying your wealth. You are enjoying your strength. You are enjoying the things that you think that you have gotten for yourself. And you forget the promises of God. You become self-reliant and are deceived. What good is it to come together each week to hear the word of God, to read these verses, to go through things like James, if we come to it and then leave here and by lunch it's forgotten? Listen, remember, and obey. James 1.22 is really a a key theme verse for the entire book. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We don't just listen. We have to do something with it. If you listen to the word but do not do what the word says, you're blind to your real, true spiritual condition. If you're not applying the things that he is calling you to, if you're not being obedient to those things, then you're missing out on what God has for you. And this is important to James because it's important to Jesus. We went through a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount, and the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus is, is, this, ap, is this great story of, of the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the, the, the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the one who listens to the word of God but does not do the word of God is like that foolish man where everything will be destroyed. But the wise man is the one who listens to the word of God, builds their life on the rock of Jesus, builds their life around what God has called them into, and that's the house that stands firm powerful imagery that Jesus gives us and James carries on in that theme. If our spiritual lives are built on only listening and we do not remember and we do not obey, it will ultimately lead to destruction like that house on the sandy shore. And so this is why at the end of most of my sermons I try to ask the question, what is God saying to you? Listen. And what are you going to do about it? Obey. What is God saying to you through his word? What is, he, what is God saying to you through your interactions, through your small groups, through your Sunday classes? What did he say to you this morning as you sat in class? What did he say to you this morning as you, you went to Starbucks instead of class? What is he speaking into in your life? As you listen to these words of James, as you go through these hard teachings of James, what is God saying to you? But don't stop there. We've listened, but what are you going to do about it? We have to obey. And so these are both important questions, and you can't have one without the other. We also come to the word 
because we, we follow the word to be effective. We have to follow the word to be effective. And this is another chunk where it seems like James is, is veering off into something else unrelated, but it is all very connected. It says, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. There's this idea of deception again, and this idea of speech and speaking, slow to speak. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Remember the ridding ourselves of the moral filth? True religion, James says, is keeping a control on your tongue, being slow to speak. Keep a control on your tongue, to take care of the marginal, the ones in need, and to get rid of the moral, immoral junk that's in our lives. Don't be polluted by the world. He says this is true religion. He says if you are going to be quick to listen, if you are going to listen to the word, if you are going to remember it, if you are going to obey it, if you are going to be formed into what he is calling this community to be, then this is what it's going to look like. A people who have a rein on their tongue, a people who even in the midst of their own distress, in the midst of their own crisis, will take care of others. Because remember, he's speaking to poor, persecuted Jewish Christians who are scattered all over the place. He's saying, you, true religion for you, not the rich people, the broken, hurt, poor people, you need to be taking care of the widows and the orphans and resist being polluted by the world. Otherwise, we have a religion that's worthless. And this idea of, of worthless is something that has no positive impact on anything. It's, it's useless. It doesn't bring about the desired outcomes. It is useless for bringing about any good. It doesn't accomplish anything. Worthless religion is worthless that hasn't transformed the heart. He says, don't have worthless religion. A transformed heart will lead to obedience to what God calls us to do. And James gets so specific with what that looks like. This is what true religion is. And it's obvious James has been listening to the Word of God because he knows that Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. He knows that Isaiah says to stop doing wrong, learn to do right, seek justice, Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And so remember, James is talking to poor and oppressed people. He is talking to refugees in a foreign land. And what does he call him to do? He calls them to care for others. He says, don't be preoccupied with your own problems. Be concerned with the struggles of others. God can minister to us in our own trials when we choose to serve others. And in that act of service, we will be blessed in incredible ways, even in the midst of our own tough place. 
He calls us to serve others. And so for us to be effective in God's kingdom, we have to follow what he has called us to be. We have to listen. We have to remember. We have to obey. There are lots of stories of obedience to God's call. I shared my story at the beginning, but there's one particular story that I want you to hear this morning. A story of of pursuing God, listening to God, and walking out in obedience to God. Will and Natalie Ellis are new members here, and, and they have gone through this journey. They have walked this out. And unfortunately, Will is working. You can go ahead and come, Natalie. Will is working this morning, so Natalie is going to share her story, their story, uh, for a, a couple moments now as, as we think about what it means to listen and then to obey. All right, so um, Will and I have been married for about two years, and I'm pretty sure the only reason my dad let me marry Will is because he promised to bring me back to Michigan when Will finished residency this summer. But that's not what God planned. So um, last year when we were starting to look for jobs in Michigan with full intention of moving back to Michigan, um, the job that Will thought would be best for our family didn't end up panning out. They were really dragging their feet and stuff. So while we were in limbo and praying about God, you know, we really think that's where you want us to go. We were, um, multiple people came up to us, people we knew really well and people that were complete strangers to us and told us, you know what, I really feel like God wants you to stay in Albuquerque longer. So we were like, oh, that was not part of our thought process. I'm glad God used you to bring it to our attention. So we started praying with that in mind and ended up um, applying at Presbyterian and Will got a job right away at their ERs. And so we... Um, so we changed our whole thought process and decided that we were going to stay. We like, committed to live in Albuquerque for another year. And so as Will was wrapping up his residency, we found that we had more time on our hands and we spent a lot more time on Netflix and entertained ourselves. And then we thought, you know what? This is probably not why God wanted us to stay in Albuquerque another year was to <laughs> increase Netflix, our Netflix watching. So we started to pray for an opportunity that God would... Um, give us something to be more serious in our faith and join him in what he's up to. And so shortly after we started praying for that, um, we saw in Montgomery's bulletin a post about Albuquerque Christian Children's Home needing house parents. So we really didn't think we would be um, a good candidate for that, but we figured they probably would have some other little jobs that they would want us to do. So we applied with the thought that we would see what they needed us to do. And like a month later, we were house parents. <laughs> so, um, so, but the reason that we could do that is because we do have you guys as our support. It's been so awesome to have Montgomery family and to really have God putting us in that spot because we wouldn't have thought to get there ourselves. Um, but it's really been an incredible blessing to um, Albuquerque Christian Children's Home is um, like a, they take in children for long and short-term periods um, out of um, bad environments, and then they, they are not a, they get kids from the state, but they're not state-funded at all. They're completely faith-based, so we are, like our job is to teach them about God, which is awesome. 
And um, they're coming from crazy situations where instead of learning how to grow up in a loving family, they're surviving and looking for food and protecting themselves from their parents. And so it's really precious that we have, we get to show them what Christ love is, and that's what we're trying to do. So it's really just an amazing ministry. And um, we had also been praying that God would grow us in our, our walk with him, and this has gotten us out of our comfort zone, you know, so we are definitely growing and learning new things about God, and so it's, it's really been an, a, quite a blessing to be obedient like this. So. Thank you. Thank you. So we've got stories of listening to God, which in and of itself is something we really need to grow at what that even looks like. How do we hear what God wants us to do? And so we listen to God, which means we've got to slow down long enough to hear something. And we have to remember the truths of his word and the promises that he makes and the challenges that he gives us and the things that he calls us into. And then stopping there is just worthless. You can spend all your time reflecting and listening on the word of God and you're not transformed and you're not changed. Nothing is different because you haven't put it into practice. You have not obeyed. And so being able to, to walk along Will and Natalie in, in their journey over the last year of, of having a very set plan and that plan being completely turned upside down inspires us. It encourages us. And there are so many other stories. We've got Courtney and Landon who, who went back to Tanzania last week, who are, are, are doing long-term mission work in Africa because they heard the word of God and they obeyed. But it doesn't have to be going to Africa. It can be something very simple. It can be having a conversation with somebody at work. It could be spending prayer with, time in prayer with somebody or for somebody. He calls each of us into different things. And so I say, what is God saying to you? What is he calling you into? And what are you going to do about it? God has been speaking to you for days and weeks and months and maybe even years. Are you listening? Have you heard what he's saying? He's calling you into something in particular. Do it. Obey, take action, receive the word of God humbly, remember what he has said, remember it constantly, obey it with everything that you have. Or maybe there's some area of your life where there is just outright disobedience. You know what you're supposed to be doing, but you're not doing it. And you've been putting off God's word because you know what he's going to say about it. And you put that off and you don't want to listen. He says, care for the poor. He says, turn from gossip. He says, get rid of pornography. He says, be reconciled to your spouse. And you are ignoring it because it isn't what you want. Maybe there is selfishness and sin in your life that, that you can't even hear what God is even saying to you. You can't even hear his voice because you have not rid yourself of that moral filth. 
And so it's time to confess that. It's time to, to shed that and get rid of that so that you can hear what God is saying. Let's stand together. This is why preachers don't want to preach James. Because he kicks our butt a little bit, right? He says, don't sit in those pews. Don't sit in that Sunday school class and just listen. Take action. Do something with what God is calling you to do. And so, God, what are you saying to me? What are you going to do about it? We're going to spend some time in prayer. And this can be the first step of doing something about what God is calling you to. Take that thing that God is calling you to to somebody else in prayer. Ask for prayer. We'll have our shepherds down front. Uh, You can pray with one another. You can get together as a small group. What is God saying to you? Take a first step of action and pray with somebody about it. Maybe that first step of action is you are not even in a relationship with Jesus yet. And you need to make a commitment to be in a relationship with Jesus. And today is the day that you need to be baptized and commit to him that this is the the life that you're living. This is the walk that you're in. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for all that you give us. God, we thank you for, for these challenges where we look at your word and it is just, uh, it can just be mind-blowing at what you are calling us to. But God, give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the discipline to take that step forward and be obedient in what you're calling us into. God, help us to take steps of faith. God, speak to us. Allow us to listen. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.